Nós vimos então que quando nós so tentamos compreender esta verdade com a nossa mente limitada, nós vamos projetar conceitos We are nossos. Going to project our vamos own projetar a nossa razão estreita, as nossas erradas. Our erroneous impressions. So if we try to understand this with our minds, try to understand truth with our minds, understand reality with our minds, what we're actually going to do is to project there that which is truth to us, which is reality to us. And so we go back to the beginning. There is not a question of understanding of our being silent before all this. So we might have the intention, we might have the aspiration to attain truth, to continue getting to know truth, to keep on seeing the truth. But we are not to do this by imagining what the truth is. If not, we will fall into our own way of seeing truth. And we have many ways of looking at truth that seem real to us. So we keep up this work by maintaining silence. We know deep down that we are seeking the truth, but we keep silent because this takes place in silence. It is in silence that we become receptive to this inner light that bit by bit and gradually becomes expressed in us. But this is imperceptible to us. This takes place insofar as this light, this truth, fills us with this light. We don't control this. Our role is simply to keep silent and not to keep on imagining anything and not to keep on construing anything and to become receptive to this and to become more and more open. And summing up what we also said at that time, we would have to change our intellectual questioning. We would have to change our way of seeking through questioning, of seeking through asking why. We would have to replace all this with this openness to the Most High, because then we will be filled with that which we need. We will receive that which we need without our asking for anything specific, because it comes down, it permeates us, that which really pertains to us that which we really need. So it's not a case of questioning. It's not a case of continually asking why. What we have to do is remain in silence, knowing that we will be filled by that which has to come. And this is something that comes from the intuitive level. This is something that comes from the spiritual level, something that is beyond the mind, that this is not a product of the mind, but it's something that comes down from a higher level. But for this to happen, we really have to maintain mental silence. Our minds should not keep on querying. They should not keep on questioning. So if we have the need to relate continually, we should not be querying how this is to be done. We have to remain in silence and stay quiet. We have to hold on to this intention and the way we are to relate will flow through our being. This is not something material. It's an inner event that occurs without our even perceiving it. So if I have the intention of relating in the correct way, I can look for many ways of relating and all of them may not work out. Now, if I have this intention, and if I keep silent, if I open myself up to it, and if I have this faith, if I have this certainty 
that it will happen. I will be relating correctly even without realizing it. Now, besides looking at all this process of the mind, we have to take into account the process of the heart. The process of the heart can also express the truth. Except that it expresses the truth in a completely different way. It's not like the mind. And we need both. We need to have these two ways united. The moment we begin to be aware of our heart, as soon as we find ourselves attached to something, we should begin to surrender that something to the heart. And then we will see the reason underlying our attachment become transformed into giving. Let's say I ask for my attachments to be healed and I become more and more able to give of myself. I become increasingly capable of giving. This will annul or will compensate for my inclination towards attachment so this is how the heart works. The heart gives you the possibility of doing the opposite. But this is very mysterious. And by reasoning, we cannot grasp how this happens. Because the heart is not the mind, the heart is another system. In the heart, that which is an obstacle for us becomes an opportunity for us to glorify life. So if something is an obstacle and we try to overcome that obstacle by using our minds, we try to combat that obstacle, we try to remove that obstacle, and at certain moments to do this, we do need our minds. When facing an obstacle, the heart glorifies life. When facing an obstacle, the heart says to us, look, here's an opportunity for you to grow, an opportunity for you to become transformed. Look well at this obstacle, transform this obstacle. So you see how different the heart is, how very different. And there are times when we need this way and not the other way of dealing with obstacles. And here we need light, here we need discernment to perceive how we should act. And the heart carries no judgment. The mind uses judgment. You judge people with your mind. You categorize a situation with your mind. You differentiate, you analyze with your mind. This doesn't happen with the heart. For the heart, everything that happens is drawn together, is synthesized. Everything is transformed into a single thing and the heart gives you a synthesis. You don't reject anything when you use your heart. When you use your heart, you make a synthesis of everything that was happening. And that obstacle, that something that was bothering you, is included within this synthesis. And the heart resolves everything. The heart gives you all this worked out and synthesized. Now, while the mind keeps on hopping from one thing to another, while the mind goes after a string of details, while the mind is busy with many different things, the heart has a unity, the heart has stability, and the heart doesn't go around dividing anything. The heart is stable on that level where it has the energy to deal with things. And the things that happen there are very united. So nothing is excluded from the heart. Nothing is excluded. But it is resolved within the occult chemistry of the heart. It's resolved within its way of synthesizing, of resolving things. So this heart acts in us 
daquilo que nós estamos pensando. What we are Porque nós podemos ter com a mente soluções para muitas coisas. Porque com a mente podemos encontrar soluções Sugestions for a lot of things. A forma do But none of these então, are the way the heart resolves things. So according to your heart, you really have to surrender yourself. You really have to stay there inside of it and let your heart decide because it will resolve things in the only way and there's no other way for that to be resolved. And it is in the heart that includes everything, that joins everything, that synthesizes everything. The heart that does not reject anything has a way of transforming all this into a single thing. Those who follow the heart, their heart more than their mind, know well what this means, what this means in practical life. And those who follow the heart must have already made this choice of the way to follow. Because the mind is normally against this, the mind normally presents a different way. The mind performs a different work, and we have to be very much at ease in working with the mind as well as in working with the heart. We have to feel comfortable with both these forms of work because there are situations and there are things that sometimes need the mind and sometimes need the heart, and there are times in which we need both of them. We need a synthesis of the two. With that which links us to the right side consciousness, centers, which are the centers we are now beginning to develop, the right-side cosmic center, the right-side heart center, the right-side mental center, and it's the heart that has the bridge for us to go on to these centers. So here the heart is very important. It's the heart that has the key to unity in us and not the mind. Only after the mind has gone through all this process and after it has become more united to the heart, will the mind tend toward unity. The initial tendency of the mind is not toward unity. But it is so for the heart. So the heart has this key to our unity. The mind has its own process of reaching the higher centers. And the process of the heart is through unity. Since it is unity with all things, since the heart does not exclude anything, it is very close to these higher centers, to this truth. And if we work with the heart, and if we keep the heart present, if we do not forget that we are heart, we'll begin to see that our rational side, our mental deductive side, will begin to become united with our unpredictable side, with that which is abstract in us, with that which we cannot understand. And a unity is going to come about, but we have to keep the heart present before us and know that we count on this. The emanation from the heart, when the heart speaks to us, automatically makes us healers because the heart is a healer and it's not the same thing with the mind. The mind works in healing through other processes but a heart that radiates, a heart that is active brings about healing. And if we listen to what the heart is bringing even though this might be very strange if we listen to what the heart is bringing, if we listen carefully to what the heart is saying to us, we'll begin to see that antagonism, which is natural in the human being, isn't it? Human beings are antagonistic toward many things. And this antagonism begins to be dissolved. It begins to disappear. So these are the miracles of the heart. 
como isto acontece. And we don't know how this happens. Que a gente não saiba para não interferir nisso. And it's good that we don't então, know quando so that we don't interfere in this. Nós estamos agindo so when we do things through the heart, we act correctly, we act appropriately, even in situations in which we don't have the least experience. Through the heart we can resolve them, through the heart things happen that would not be able to happen through other processes, including mental processes, because we have no experience in that field. Mesmo daquilo, Even when we face things in which we don't have the least experience, the heart can resolve and does resolve things. Aquilo, because the heart takes all that into itself, even that which you don't know, and you even include that which you don't want to include. And the heart has this chemistry, the heart has this possibility of transforming all this into a single thing, of giving you a synthesis. So this is the kind of way we all want. Não exclui o caminho da mente. But this does not exclude the way of the mind. Você aqui adotar isto, because você for you to follow this way, you need the cooperation of the mind. The mind has to be in agreement with this. The mind has to be participating in this. Because at certain moments, the energy of the mind is indispensable. At certain moments, it's indispensable. Because these two levels, these two centers, should be very well balanced. Because not everyone is functioning at the same time on the heart level. And at that moment, we might be functioning on the heart level. And the others we are dealing with at that moment could be functioning on the mind level. So we need this twofold knowledge because the heart may be willing but the other person is functioning with the mind and we have to know how to deal with this mentally as well. If not, the other person is not going to feel nurtured by us. If he or she is polarized on the mind and we are working with the heart, we might resolve our problem of unity with the other. But I don't know if we resolve the other person's unity if mental energy is lacking in us, which is the prevailing energy in the other person, the energy that he or she understands at the time, or the energy that he or she can perceive as being real. Someone is asking us to talk about the difference between the ego and the personality and about the role of the personality in the new being. Well, ego is one thing and personality is another. We should not confuse these two things because the ego is a level of our consciousness on the psychic level on a very material level, because the ego has its material aspects that are very strong according to the number of incarnations it has already had, according to the number of experiences it has already had. And this ego, this nucleus of consciousness of ours, that grows stronger through our experiences, this ego presents itself and projects itself as though it were the I, the self, as though it were the deep inner self. All of us have a deep essence. We are a self. We are an individual on our deeper level. And the ego presents itself out here as though it were this self. The ego is much more superficial than this self. The ego is not on the level of the self. The level of the self is the level of the monad. And this self, this monad, this deep level of ours, is projected, and this is the ego out here. Now, this ego goes on getting stronger with experiences it undergoes. And at a certain point, the ego is absorbed by the soul. 
But before it becomes absorbed by the soul, this ego, when it is strong, when it is a strong nucleus, the ego manipulates the mind, the ego manipulates the feelings, it manipulates the physical body, and as it manipulates these things, the ego causes the being to become identified with appearances. The ego does not know the being's essence. The ego is a very strong, very conscious nucleus formed throughout all our past lives, and it is so strong and so conscious that those who are inexperienced think this ego is the soul. Because the ego also has spiritual needs. And so the ego can demonstrate spiritual needs that are the ego's own needs. And one can see this by the way people express their pseudo-spiritual needs, which are the ego's needs in the spiritual field. And we are subject to this until the soul will be able to absorb this ego. This ego keeps our being tied down to appearances. It keeps us proud because pride is not a quality of the soul. Separativeness is not a quality of the soul. Ambition is not a quality of the soul. But the ego holds on to all this. And as the ego evolves, it goes on camouflaging these things. The ego disguises pride. The ego disguises separativeness. The ego disguises ambition. The ego presents ambition as though it were humility to those who cannot see. So, for example, the person then has the need to show that he or she is humble. And what we have here is a very hard and proud ego that already knows that by manifesting pride, it's not going to receive attention, so it expresses humility, but with the energy of pride. And you see this when you interact with people. You see how the ego is humble, how the ego is inclusive. How the ego is detached. But this is all a farce. It's a stratagem of the ego to keep us continually linked to it in a certain way. And we fall into this game of the ego. And nothing draws our attention to this. If there is not something to say to us, look, you are a pit of pride, you are a pit of vanity, you are a pit of separativeness. If there is nothing to show us this clearly, the ego then goes on convincing us that we are all this. And we go on speaking softly and being well behaved. And we have all this behind us. We have a snake under our feet. And all this is the work of the ego. For the ego, this is an important time. For the ego, it's very important for us to have the appearance of being good. For the ego, it's very important for us to have the appearance of being amiable, to have the appearance of being humble. This is the way the ego has found to keep alive. Evidently, this kind of humility, this kind of inclusiveness, this obviously does not come from the soul. This is clearly not spiritual, and we see it right away, because at a certain point, this is all unmasked, and at a certain point, this falls apart. And so your humility came from your ego. It came from the intention of the ego. But since the ego has no contact with the being's essence, and the ego doesn't want anything to do with the soul, because it knows that the soul has a different system, the way the soul has of being humble is not the same as the ego's way. The soul's way of being humble is really to be equal to everything and to all, and the ego doesn't do this because the ego has its own favorites, its own source of life, which is exclusiveness. 
This is the ego's part. Now, this might seem very negative. This might have many negative characteristics, as we have seen. But this ego is our framework for the incarnation of the consciousness. A consciousness cannot incarnate without the ego. It has to have this base. This is a base for the consciousness to be incarnated, except that the consciousness that is incarnated there is automatically linked to material karma, because this ego, with all its actions, is entirely a material activity and is within the law of karma. As you have seen by looking at your own ego, the ego itself is dealing with the law of material karma. It is coping with karmic forces. The ego is dissolving karmic ties. The ego is building karmic ties. So the ego is working within the law of karma. And in this world of the ego, there is even some knowledge of karma. But in this world, there is no knowledge of the essence of the being. The ego does not know the being's essence. The ego can even express something beautiful. But this is completely different to the true essence of the being. But for us to recognize this in the ego, we have to have an ego that is already quite developed. And we have to have a firm decision to administer this ego and not to go on living like an ego. As long as we have reactions, as long as we get upset with things that happen, as long as we react to things, we are still living like egos. No matter how much we want to free ourselves from our ego and how hard we might be working for the ego to become absorbed by the soul, here we really have to be very careful. Now the ego can, for example, attract the energies of the soul. When it needs the soul, so that então, it can pretend to be the soul. So here the ego proves então, that it, it is not so intelligent. And it comes to a point when the ego says, então, well, I must really put on a mask of the soul. And then this ego, after having been so intelligent, the ego is so naive that it opens itself up to the soul. Now the initial intention was not to open então, itself up to the soul. Meio, its initial intention was to pretend to be the soul. And the ego has no other means, so então, it begins to attract the soul. But then the soul comes in and does another kind of work. And therefore the ego is not our strongest part, even though it may seem so. Because at a certain point it wants to present itself as being the soul because it suspects that we are surrendering it to the soul. And so it begins to attract the soul and then the soul carries out its task very tranquilly. And the individual does not have to get into any conflict for this to happen. The individual doesn't need to become psychologically upset because all this is a very great change. In some cases, it's a very violent process, violent on the part of the ego, because the ego has a lot of influence over the body. And so the ego makes the body sick. The ego makes the individual feel bad. All this is the reaction of the ego. All this is the movement of the ego for it to draw attention to itself. Because what the ego wants is to draw attention to itself. An ego can make a being get sick in order to draw the attention of the individual towards it, for the individual to see it and take care of it. You hear people say, I'm sick. They are taken over by the ego because anyone who says, I'm sick, is confusing himself or herself with the ego because the individual is not sick. It's the body that can be sick. 
and the ego could be sick at this point, but to say, I'm sick, only someone whom the ego manages to delude says this. Someone to whom the ego has managed to make its presence felt and even pretend to be something else. And how are we going to resolve this? And how are we going to live along with this process of a very inflated ego, of an ego that wants to pretend to be the soul, of an ego that exposes us to sickness, an ego that makes us feel bad in order to draw attention toward itself. How are we going to get through this phase? Because this is a stage for some people, this is a very hard stage, and especially for those who are mental. It's not so hard for those who follow the heart, because the heart resolves this gently. But for people who are mental, these are very hard moments, hard phases. And how are we going to get through this? We know all that is happening. We see all this process in us, this turmoil, all this path full of worries. And here's where we would have to work at forgetting ourselves. So no matter how much the ego calls our attention, no matter how loud the needs call out, no matter how aware we are of this entire struggle, here we have to decide to forget ourselves. So we know this is going on, but we work at forgetting ourselves. We don't pay attention to those things that are taking place within us because all this is the work of the ego. All this is a process between the ego and the soul. It's a process that's going to end if all goes well, if this process does not suddenly go astray. If this process goes ahead normally, this process is going to come to an end when the ego is absorbed by the soul, it's going to end in this way. The soul at opportune moments pulls this ego, absorbs this ego, and the ego will end up disappearing. But for us to live this, which we might say is not very pleasant for the personality, we really have to have the intention of forgetting ourselves. For some people, to forget themselves is very difficult. And so the soul begins to keep the person active 24 hours a day. And then the person is busy serving others, busy attending others, helping others. Because up to this point, everything is sent by the soul. When people have their whole day taken up with serving others, they end up forgetting themselves, which is necessary for the soul to be able to work there without conflicts, without causing the personality any problems. Because the personality is something else. The personality is another nucleus, as we shall see. In this work between the ego and the soul, this work with the soul completely absorbs us. We are totally taken up working towards the good of others, which is the way the soul has to be able to work on this without our placing obstacles there. Because the soul has to work with this ego. The soul is higher than the ego. The soul is a higher nucleus. The ego is here on the material levels. This ego is on the material level, on the level of our karma. And the soul is on the intuitive level, so the soul has other means, the soul has other forces. Now the personality should not get sick with all that is going on. It should not be shocked with all this play of forces. And if the personality does get upset, the individual falls into a process of low self-esteem. This is now the problem of the personality and not the problem of the ego. The ego is very satisfied because the ego has obtained what it wanted and the personality now begins to lose its self-esteem in the middle of all this. Do you see why we have to stop living like personalities? Because we get sick without wanting to. Because the personality gets sick with these things. It 
doesn't have enough force to deal with these things. Because at this point, the ego begins to inject force into the personality. And when the ego wants to draw attention to its ultimate outbursts, it stops sustaining the personality. And the personality weakens and gets sick. Do you see why we have to get away from this level? Why we have to turn to our soul, to our monad, to these higher nuclei? And why we have to say, enough, stop all this. I don't want this anymore. Because then a ray comes from the monad, and then if it has to take us off to another world, it will do so. And if it has to do this to resolve the situation, it will, but it can also resolve the situation leaving us right here where we are. The monad has a lot of means. But the monad intervenes when we say, look, here, enough of this. And the ego doesn't want us to say, enough. The ego wants all this to keep on going because it wants to draw everyone's attention to itself and to draw the being's attention to itself. It wants to be the center of everything and it will use every means possible to be the center of everything. And we must admit, there are lovely egos, very efficient ones. There are very helpful egos, very well-educated ones. There are perfect egos. And the time has come to put an end to all this because by being perfect, The ego sets up a perfect trap for us and we get caught in this whirlwind. We get all wrapped up in it and identify ourselves with this process, with the process of sickness, with the process of egoism, with the process of drawing attention, with the process of having to keep busy all day long in order to forget ourselves. So this is something that if the individual doesn't say enough, he or she becomes weary as personality but not as soul because the soul is on another level and is watching all this. It's on the personality level that he or she becomes worn out. Because this personality is merely a set of forces. The personality is something very delicate. The personality appears to be strong because it's backed up by the ego. The ego carries over from life to life. So someone who has had 300 incarnations has a very strong ego, but not the personality. The personality is formed at each new life, so the personality is always like this. So these are the forces, aren't they? The psychic forces, the human energies, this mental something, this energy of the emotions that changes from life to life. This personality has different rays from life to life. It's formed differently from life to life, depending on the material. So if you're born into a Negro race, you have a certain type of personality. And if you're born into the Asian race, you have another type of personality. The same person from life to life can take on opposite personalities. The ego deals with all this very easily. Easily. The personality is something very inconsistent. We must not confuse this set of forces of our psychic world, of our mind, of our emotions, and of our physical form, which is the personality. We must not confuse this ephemeral set of forces with the ego. This ego is the center, this nucleus that has carried through ever since the first incarnation and is always getting stronger and always growing. So it's very simple to deal with the personality. You only have to try to do what you are feeling, what you are thinking. But first of all, offer all this up to your higher nuclei. This is simple in the field of the personality. So you offer this up to your higher centers, offer up your thoughts, offer up your feelings, offer up your actions continually. And this offering will bring all this together. This offering up of your mind, this offering up of your feelings, this offering up of your physical actions, this is what will make your personality become integrated and will draw together these forces 
And if these forces begin to draw together, if these forces begin to get integrated, you will be able to uplift these joint forces because with the personality, if you begin to take care only of your mind, the emotions get forgotten and then the emotions will protest. And if you take care only of your emotions, your mind will protest or your mind will want to direct everything. So this personality is a little like a patchwork quilt. So first of all, it has to become integrated. And this work we do in our consciousness, certain work between the ego and the soul, and the ego becoming absorbed, we don't have the strength or the means to do this. It's the soul that has to begin to attract the ego. But to bring about the integration of personality is simple work. Any child can do this. All that is needed is for the child to be in a correct activity and to be learning the right things and to be loved. And the child will bring about the integration of the personality. It's very simple. And so the child grows up having all these forces integrated. And if we arrive at, at adulthood and this is not integrated in us, as happens with the majority, so if this is not integrated, it's very simple to bring about this integration because all we need to do is offer this continually to our higher nuclei. And from these centers comes the energy for integration. And once all this is integrated, the thinking, feeling and acting with all these well unified, it's up to us to unify them. Because in this regard, we are not to expect miracles. We are the ones who have to do this. It's our task to work on the personality level. This is the level we can reach in order to resolve things, but not the ego. The ego needs other things. But the work on the personality level is up to us. And when this is all integrated, something unexpected happens. If this personality becomes integrated, then the soul begins to radiate to it. The soul begins to use it. The soul begins to link up with it. As you see, the soul cannot use the personality or resolve the personality. If the mental functioning is off to one side and the emotions are off to another, and if the physical actions are somewhere else, first of all we have to integrate these, and once they are integrated, the soul can then pour down energy there. And when the energy of the soul begins to flow there, the soul also begins to enter there, because the soul permeates the entire being. So this integrated personality, which is already under the light of the soul, this personality finally enters into service. This personality is placed by the soul and by the karma at the service of the plan of evolution. And at this point, the being has become resolved because the unity of the ego with the soul is taking place. And as the ego becomes uplifted, the personality goes along with it. And in the end, the soul absorbs everything. But these are very different processes. The ego's process is one thing, and the process of the personality is another. And this all becomes unified in the final phases. And when this becomes unified in the final phases, whatever remains of this personality that has not been absorbed contains a lot of healing energy and has a lot of energy of order it has a lot of energy that is very valuable for service. So we can have an individual who might have acute problems for the soul to absorb the ego and whose personality might be having other problems, other issues that have to be resolved. And here's where we would have to get into forgetting ourselves. We would have to stop scrutinizing this beyond what we've already done. We'd have to look at all this and say, see here, this is up to you. And send this to the soul, send this to the monad, let it go, let it become uplifted, but to do this, you have to be in an attitude of forgetting yourself, of no longer even considering that you exist there. You do all this work, but forgetting your own self. 
you do all this work for the sake of the work. And here we have an ego that is already on its way to being absorbed. We have a personality that is in service. So we're then dealing with a human being who is quite evolved, is quite advanced compared to average humanity. And this advanced human being hasn't the least need to draw anyone's attention. He or she is there in silence, focusing all attention on the higher nuclei or centers. And this whole process that seems so complicated when we describe it goes by without our even perceiving it. Because this person managed to forget all this. And by forgetting all this, the soul gives the person a lucidity that is no longer human. The person begins to acquire an extraordinary lucidity, very special. And it's very important that there should be humans like this on earth. And there are not many of them. But those who do exist are the ones who uphold all of humanity, who support all this humanity that is still at other stages of this process. But when this process is clear to you, and if this process holds no secrets from you, except maybe when the ego is dissatisfied or when the personality is a little sad, then you say, look here, I'm nothing of this, I'm neither one thing or another, I surrender. And then we turn our attention to other nuclei, because besides these two nuclei, the ego and the personality. Besides these two, the nuclei that come next are not ones to give us any work. They are not nuclei that cause suffering. They are other qualities of energy. They are other levels of the being. So there's nothing difficult about it. If you know all that is happening to you, whenever your ego or whenever your personality feels anything, all you have to do is say, I'm not this. See how simple it is. But you have to say this and really mean it. Because the ego may be screaming out. And the personality may be threatening you. And at that moment you say, this is not me. That's all. This is not me. Then what am I? Look up. This work is very simple. And whoever does this work doesn't need much help from others and doesn't need a lot of support. Those who do this work remain on a level of neutrality. They remain on a level of impersonality which is sufficient to keep following the path until all this will have been resolved, until all this will have been absorbed and we can finally begin to be concerned with a higher process, which is the process of the soul, which is the evolution of the higher self that is already influencing all this. But once this issue of these more material nuclei, like the ego and the personality, being absorbed is terminated, once this work has ended, the struggles of human beings are practically over. And the process of the soul, the process of the monad, the process of the body of light is not a struggle. It's a process within other laws. But then in this final stage, or in this semi-final stage, where one can find the members of humanity of the surface of the earth who have surrendered more and are more evolved, there is only one key to forget oneself. And forgetting oneself means that if something is happening, on the level of the ego and on the level of the personality, I forget it. I'm going to turn to other things. I'm going to focus on what I am on another level. This is the key. The key is to forget all this and not to emphasize, not to dramatize, 
not to augment em cima disto, discutindo com isto, not to add on to this by arguing with it. Because if you do, this could end up with your poor personality becoming sick when it could have been absorbed and it could have been resolved without getting sick. It could be absorbed quite normally, quite naturally, without any pain. But for this to happen, we have to forget ourselves. And so if you think about these words, carry these words with you, forget yourself, and see what they mean to you. And really begin to forget yourself Begin to disregard your own self. Leave your own self alone. So that all this can go on being resolved in harmony and without sickness. So that you don't have to waste time with these things. Because this struggle, this process, gives us a lot of recognition apareçamos diante da hierarquia it makes us como appear to the hierarchy as beings in need of help então a hierarquia olha para nós and so the hierarchy looks upon us who are in this situation in this process and the hierarchy knows that here is a being who needs help that this being needs help in order not to get lost in this kind of delusion, in the kind of lie that all this really is, isn't it? A lie, but it's all there to be taken as a lie. Because a person is none of this. A person is the opposite of this. So the hierarchy looks at this, and the hierarchy is attentive to all this. And when we turn upward, we really receive the help we need. In times gone by, our education included reading the lives of the saints. This has fallen out of fashion. Once in a while a book comes out, like the autobiography of a contemporary yogi, but this is an exception. Because for one to know the lives of the saints has become outdated. But in those days when the lives of the saints were part of our education, when we used to educate someone by telling him or her the lives of the saints, the lives of the saints are made up of these things. The lives of the saints tell of awareness of these things. And the stand the individual takes in face of these things. And one of the principal things that we get out of the lives of the saints is that no saint ever complained.